1 Corinthians chapter 9. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 19 through 23. 1 Corinthians 9, 19 through 23. For though I am free from all, I have made myself a servant to all, that I might, that I might win more of them. To the Jews I became as a Jew in order to win Jews. To those under the law I became as one under the law, though not being myself under the law, that I might win those under the law. To those outside the law I became as one outside the law, not being outside the law of God, but under the law of Christ, that I might win those outside the law. To the weak I became weak, that I might win the weak. I have become all things to all people, that by all means I might save some. I do it all for the sake of the gospel, that I might share with them in its blessings. Evangelism in Sync. We've been doing this for almost six months now. And I, I didn't say it this morning because I wanted to save it for the lesson this evening. The month of December is your last, your final challenge, your mission should you choose to accept it when it comes to evangelism disciplines in your life. For November, if you recall, we've been thinking about our families and maybe reaching out, talk, talking to our families about the gospel, praying for our family members. For December, here's the challenge. Have you ever been having a conversation with somebody and it comes to your mind that, you know, I really ought to say something about God and his will to this person. It's just on the tip of your tongue. Or maybe you're in a conversation with somebody and you think, maybe I really should invite this person to services or to a gospel meeting. And it's on the tip of your tongue, but then you back down, you don't do it. Or maybe you're, you're having a conversation with somebody or you're thinking about somebody maybe in your office or at school and they're going through a really tough time and you think, you know, that person really could use the comfort and, and the assurance and the kindness that comes from knowing a New Testament Christian and I could do something for them that, that, that would bless them and maybe open a door, an opportunity to, to share the gospel, but you don't do it. For December, do it. That one thing that's on the tip of your tongue that you know, if I just stuck my, my, my foot out there just a little bit farther, do it in December. If you've got a neighbor that you need to invite to services, if you've got a family member that you just haven't for whatever reason, you haven't said what you know needs to be said, sometime in December, make it a point, pray about it and then do it. That's your challenge, evangelism in sync. That's what we're going to do for the month of December. One thing extra. The Bible says about Jesus when he was in the Garden of Gethsemane, it says he left Peter and James and John and he went a little farther. There's sermons that have been preached on that expression, he went a little farther. That's what we're going to do in December. We're going to go just a little farther when it comes to reaching our neighbors and our friends with the gospel. Just one more step, one, one more thing. Say that one thing that's been on the tip of your tongue and for whatever reason you've been maybe shy about doing that or afraid to do it, do it in the month of December. Sound good? That's your mission should you choose to accept it. Now, having said that, can we just stop for a moment and appreciate that in the history of the Katy congregation, I haven't been here all that long, but we are going through a very extraordinary time 
in terms of the number of Bible studies that are happening, in terms of the number of baptisms that are taking place. This doesn't always happen in local congregations. It's a blessing. God has blessed us tremendously. You have been diligent in working and in praying and in reaching out to your neighbors. We've been visiting about where a number of our, our um, new converts have come from and many, many, many of them, if you'll notice, are just neighbors of people that have invited their neighbors to church. And Bible studies have begun and they've obeyed the gospel and it's a tremendous blessing. God has been with us and he continues to bless us in this. Not only that, but when you think about the reasons why this season, this time in our congregation's history has been the way it has in large part, it's because a lot of the pandemic, um, you know, the features of it have been lifted and people are getting back out. But there are a lot of questions that people had that maybe they didn't have or weren't asking at least before the pandemic happened. Not only that, it helps tremendously when there's an absence of strife in the local church. I'll just tell you, it helps when it comes to winning souls, when it comes to evangelism, it helps when there's an absence of, uh, of fear and negativity and division and those kinds of things. Those fellowship issues do have a, an impact on what's happening evangelistically. And it helps tremendously when people are actually praying about these things, as we're going to talk about in just a moment. So the lesson tonight is this a soul-winning church. And there's nothing in this lesson that will be earth-shattering or brand new to you because you've been doing these things for a long time, a lot longer than just six months. But it's good to be reminded from God's word what a soul-winning church looks like. Let me begin with this. A soul-winning church, an evangelistic church, is going to imitate the evangelistic attitudes of her leaders. Whatever the elders are evangelistically is going to be modeled in the Lord's church, in the local congregation. Not only the attitudes, but the motives of her leaders. Why should we share the gospel? Is it because we're about God's will and we're about his business or is it about us and about making ourselves look good? The local church will imitate the evangelistic emphasis of her leaders. This really is, in many ways, a leadership thing. If the eldership of a local congregation will invest in sharing the gospel, if this is on their hearts and on their minds, and we ought to be thankful here at Katy that that's true of all 11 of our elders. They want the gospel to sound forth into all the world. And because they want that, and I'm not just saying that, it's not just lip service, you can see it by their lives, you can hear it in their prayers, you can see it in the way that they're living. This is what they want. Because that's true, it has an impact on the church. And not every eldership can it be said that these things are true. But we're tremendously blessed here at Katy to have elders that care about these things. And the local church, for better or for worse, is going to imitate what her leadership looks like in the long run. There may be exceptions. There may be short times in a, in a congregation's history where the local congregation goes a little bit different direction than the leaders do, but not for the long run. It just doesn't work that way. We're going to imitate what our leaders are doing. As you think about this, and as you think about being a soul-winning congregation, there are three, three ideas about soul-winning that we really need to pay attention to. And the first one is found in 1 Corinthians chapter 9. If you haven't already got your Bible open there, you might just do that. The attitude is, or the concept is, determination. Determination. 
Jordan read just a moment ago from 1 Corinthians chapter 9 and he, he read about how Paul was talking about sharing the gospel. I've, I've done everything I possibly can to get out of the way of sharing the gospel with others. I've become all things to all men that by all means I might save some, he says. And when you think about determination, just look at some of the things he says here in 1 Corinthians chapter 9. In 1 Corinthians 9 verse 26, he says, I do not run aimlessly. I do not box as one beating the air. He's talking about winning souls. He's talking about his ministry as an apostle of Jesus Christ. He's talking about sharing the gospel. And he says, I'm determined and I don't want to be throwing punches that don't land. I don't want to be running for no purpose. I want to make sure that what I'm doing counts and matters when it comes to sharing the gospel and winning souls. Back in verse 16 of 1 Corinthians 9, he says, woe is me if I do not preach the gospel. He is determined to do this. This is what he's all about. This is where his heart is. This is what his life is consumed by. In 1 Corinthians 9, 24, he says, you also, you're in a race, run so that you may obtain the prize. This is an evangelism chapter. What Paul is talking about in 1 Corinthians 9 is his ministry as an apostle and he's saying, I am utterly sold out, determined to sharing the gospel, to winning souls to Christ. That's what I want more than anything. Or if you like common sense, because common sense makes a lot of sense, here are some expressions to consider when it comes to evangelism. Brethren, things don't just happen, someone has to make them happen. Baptisms and Bible studies and opportunities to share the gospel with others, those don't just happen. Somebody has got to make them happen. These are things that we must aim for. And on that note, if we aim at nothing, we're sure to hit it. You want to think about evangelism, you want to think about anything in a local congregation, the, the way we work together, the way we cooperate or don't. If you aim at nothing, you're sure to hit it. If you have no target, if you have no clue where you're going, that's where you're gonna end up, nowhere. I like this one. It's one of my favorites. A determined person with a rusty wrench can accomplish more than a loafer with new tools. There are a lot of people who have a lot of knowledge in their heads. They know what the gospel is all about, but they are doing very little to nothing with that knowledge. But somebody that's got just a little bit of the truth and they know what needs to be done, they can accomplish a great deal. A determined man with a rusty wrench, that's all they got, but they got enough to share with somebody the good news, they can get a great deal done. And we ought to think sometimes about that question. Am I the determined man with a rusty wrench or am I a loafer with new tools? What am I when it comes to being determined to win souls? Soul winning congregations are determined. They intentionally think about the kinds of things we've been thinking about for the last six months. Praying for people who need to know the gospel, sharing the gospel with those, inviting others to come and see what it's like to know Jesus and to know God's people. Those kinds of things need to be happening regularly in our lives. Second, this evening, as you think about soul winning congregations, it does not happen without a great deal of prayer and without dependence on God. Sometimes we might get in our minds the idea that evangelism is something we do. 
But no, evangelism is something that starts with God and the Bible speaks about us as being his fellow workers. It speaks about us as being in partnership with God. Don't ever, ever, ever forget that truth. We are not the Lone Ranger when it comes to sharing the gospel. We are not out on an island by ourselves and we're all by ourselves. It is a partnership. It's a partnership with God and with others. 1 Corinthians 3, verses six through nine. I planted, Apollos watered, and God gave the increase. It is a partnership, always, always, if it's done according to God's will. Not only is soul winning a partnership, soul winning involves planting. We must intentionally seek to plant the seed of God's word, Luke chapter eight, verse 11. And when that seed is planted, it will always bear the same kind of fruit. You know, if you just plant the seed of God's word, you know what you're gonna get every single time? A Christian, a New Testament Christian, who's a member of the New Testament church that you read about in the New Testament, you know why? Because all you've done is you've planted the Bible in someone's heart, you've planted the seed. Galatians six, verse seven. Do not be deceived, God is not mocked for whatever a man plants, that he will also reap. Soul winning involves planting. As you think about being prayerful and depending on God, soul winning demands prayer. It demands that we think about the people around us that need to know the gospel and that we intentionally pray for them. Years ago, I discovered this truth. As a gospel preacher, I try as best I can, I try to have an ongoing study as as frequently as I can. And when I'm going through a period in my ministry in my life where I don't have a Bible study happening, you know what I start doing? I start praying, God, help me to find somebody to study the Bible with. And I'm telling you something from personal experience, every single time I start praying that way, you know what God does? He answers that prayer. Every single time, God, help me to find somebody to study the Bible with. Help me to find somebody that needs to know you better. And there's every single time. It may not happen immediately. It may take a little while, but every single time the prayer is answered. Why? Because God is a partner with people in sowing the seed of the gospel. Prayer and dependence on God. When's the last time you prayed a prayer like that, by the way? When's the last time you asked God to help you find somebody to study the Bible with, to share the gospel with? Have you prayed that before? Think about this. Soul winning is a process and not an event. Soul winning churches know that this is true. It's not just a one-time event, a one-time shot. You present the gospel and then somebody obeys and everybody's happy. It is a process. And sometimes in some cases, you know as well as I do, it takes years before someone finally, the light bulb clicks, they see, they understand, they know, or before they finally are ready, like the rich young ruler, to go and sell all that they have and come follow Jesus Christ. The Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians 15, 58, it says, be steadfast and immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, because you know your labor in the Lord is not in vain. Soul winning's a process, not an event. Soul winning churches know these things are true. It needs to help and inform our understanding of what we're doing evangelistically. Next, the third idea here this evening as we think about soul winning churches is the idea of discernment. Discernment has to do with wisdom. It has to do with paying attention. It has to do with listening. Listening to what other people are saying. Even if we disagree, even if they have the wrong idea, at least listening to what's being said. 
And did you know that they've done a number of studies over the last several years of what people in our culture and our society are thinking? You wanna know? What are people around us thinking about spirituality and about spiritual things and about God, about his word? Here are some things to consider when it comes to discernment. Many, many, many people in our society are saying something to this effect. I have rejected the church. I've I've rejected the church, but I have not rejected God. I want God. I want to know God, but I don't have any use for organized religion with air quotes. I don't have any use for the church, but I want to know God. That is a very common notion. As God's people, we need to think about where people are coming from when we start, start talking about spiritual things. I'm morally adrift, our society is saying, many are, but sometimes I really want an anchor. I don't like rules and I don't like regulations and I don't like convictions, but sometimes life gets so chaotic and so out of control and so crazy that I really wish I had something that was mooring me, that was, that was holding me down, an anchor of some kind. People want that at various points in their lives. I don't understand the Bible, many in our society are saying, and I don't know where to go to find answers. And listen very carefully. A lot of times people are looking for answers in God's word and they don't want a hard sell approach when it comes to sharing the gospel with them. They don't want somebody pressuring them. They wanna be able to listen and to reason and to think about what does God's word say concerning this issue or this matter. And they wanna be able to think about it on their own terms and accept or reject. They wanna be able to do that. I don't understand the Bible and I don't know where to go to find answers. And when they say that, I don't know where to go to find answers. They're saying, I don't necessarily need somebody pressuring me to do something that I don't know that I'm ready to do. Discernment is needed. I don't have much use for religion, many in our society are saying, but listen carefully, I want my kids to have moral training. If you pay attention to what a lot of people around us are saying, even some of our visitors that have come, and we're thankful for all of our visitors, you'll hear them saying things like this. I'm okay, I I, I feel like my life is fine, but I really want my kids to know what it's like to know about the Bible and to know about God and about Jesus and about what he's done for us. I really want my kids to know these things. A lot of people feel this way. And when we think about being a soul-winning congregation, discernment, listening to where other people are coming from, those things are needed. Some things to ask ourselves as we consider this idea of discernment. Questions to ask ourselves. When it comes to winning souls, question number one, are we listening carefully to others? Listening is underrated in evangelism. We do a lot of talking, but we need to stop and listen and genuinely try to understand. As a matter of fact, that's good life advice. Seek to understand before you seek to make yourself understood. Good life advice. If I understand the person I'm talking to, if I understand where they're coming from, what they believe, where they're, if I understand those things, then seek to make yourself understood. Jesus did that in John four. The lady at the well, they came out there to talk to him. She was amazed that he was even talking to her, but, but Jesus asked her questions and she answered. She asked him questions and he answered. Are we listening? Second, are we, as we share the gospel, speaking from the heart of God? 
Luke 15 contains three parables, the lost sheep, the lost coin, the lost son, actually two lost sons. And all three of those parables are about the heart of God. He cares about the lost. And we better make sure in our motives, in our attitudes, when it comes to evangelism, that it's really motivated about the heart of God. God loves people and it's through evangelism that he reaches out to a lost and dying world. Are we speaking from the heart of God? Next question, are Christ and his cross the foundation of our message? Paul says in 1 Corinthians 2 verse 2, I determined to know nothing among you except Christ and him crucified. John 12, 32, Jesus says, if I am lifted up from the earth, I will draw all men to myself. We need in our evangelism and our approach to others, we need to make sure that the cross is heavily emphasized that it is the core of what we're doing. We can talk to a lot of people about things like apologetics and about truth and about authority. We can talk about those things and need to, but we ought to stop and ask ourselves the question, where's the cross? Have we talked about what Jesus did? And have we talked about the significance of that? Where's the resurrection of Jesus? Where is the great redemptive work that was accomplished by him at the cross? Where is that as we share the gospel? We need to make sure that that is being emphasized when we teach others. I don't know if I told, I'm sure I've told you guys, but I'm gonna tell it again. I studied in Africa with a guy who knew he needed to be baptized, but didn't know who Jesus was. Did I ever tell you that story? One of my neighbors, and, and I went to his house, and we knocked on the door, and he was very polite and came in and sat down, and, and uh, this, this man wants to be baptized. He said, yeah, somebody from your church came by yesterday, and he taught us about how we needed to be baptized in much water. I appreciate the brother that did that teaching, but he didn't listen very carefully because this guy was from a pagan religion that didn't know what Jesus had done. He didn't know who Jesus was. We need to make sure that Christ and his cross are the foundation of our message. And then talk about repentance and baptism. Finally, discernment. Are we trying to win arguments or win souls? Some of us, some of us, we get into arguments with our coworkers, with our friends, with our family members. We get into arguments. Get into arguments about instrumental music, about baptism. Get into arguments about can you baptize an infant or not. We get into arguments about, you know, what's the right organization of the church. Is the, is the Lord's church the, you know, the, the church that you read about in the Bible. We get into arguments about all kinds of things. And we ought to stop and take a step back sometimes and ask ourselves the question, what's the end goal here? Am I trying to be right? Or am I trying to win somebody to Christ? Because the conversation is going to proceed a whole different direction depending on the answer to that question. Proverbs 11 verse 30 says, the tree of the righteous, the tongue of the righteous is a tree of life and he who wins souls is wise. We're in the soul winning business, bringing people to Christ, bringing people to a knowledge of God. That's what we're all about. And we ought to ask ourselves sometimes, which are we trying to do to win arguments or to win people to Christ? Those are discernment questions worthy of our contemplation, worthy of our prayers. Thank you for being a soul-winning church, a congregation that wants to know Jesus better and wants to bring people to him. Maybe you're here tonight and you're not a New Testament Christian. We want more than anything for you to repent of your sin, to be baptized, because that's how you come into a right relationship with Jesus.
If we can help you to do that, there's no better time than right now to put Christ on in baptism. Won't you come while together we stand and while we sing?